This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lady Lauren. Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're into chapter 32, Aria 3 of A Game of Thrones. And in a world of ice and fire, we are discussing the wall and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. So, This wall chapter actually is pretty exciting, I will say, Sir Ezra. Yeah, Sir Matt, I think it's actually the coolest part. I mean... There's some cool stuff with mm-hmm. the Arya chapter, but nothing that anyone anyone else hasn't uh, already kind of covered or, or really, you know, it's it. The, the show does a really good job of it does letting you know yeah. what happens in this chapter. So pretty straightforward. There is two. There are two cool things that I kind of little nuggets that I found that I thought was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll talk about those when we get there. But yeah, I'm excited. It's it's going to be a good episode. Yeah. So, so um, all right, let's just. Uh, uh, just a quick reminder at the beginning of the show, you can uh, send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on our Facebook page or join the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use we use those for our follow-up Friday episodes and sometimes at the end of these episodes. Yep. yep absolutely. So, uh, um, okay, let's go ahead and head on over to uh, Small Council. Sir Ezra, how is life treating you? Well, uh, it's <sighs> winter's coming. You know, I mean, busy. <laughs> it's yeah, mm-hmm. busy, busy. We're we're prepping for the winter, uh, prepping for a lot of different things, and uh, I don't know that I'm going to be ready. You know, you ever feel like that? Like you feel like, uh, oh my god, all yeah. these things are coming in the projects that I work on, and I'm like, oh boy, got all that coming up. Plus, I've got, you know, I mean, basically, you know, personal life, social life, podcasting life, all those things completely swamped. And then imagine that you have a day job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I know. okay, boy, I got to really. <laughs> Uh, kind of buckle down on some of that stuff and, and try to get ahead. I've been working on right. filling out my calendar uh, for mm-hmm. about two to three weeks now. I've been trying to fill it out and like right. get it ready to where I can share with Sir Matt, you know, a couple other of my buddies. And I am I haven't found the time. <laughs> I've not found the time mm-hmm. to do it, but uh, it is what it is. I'm, right there, right there with you. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm I uh, like I said, you know, on Fallout Friday, you know, I just moved here. So yeah, I start I started on Tuesday at that uh, at that new job. So Good. you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with it. Whether it's something I do long term or just something until I find something better. Since I just moved out here, but uh, yeah, so now I'm like, okay, schedule's filling up. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know. So for sure. Yeah. All so. right. Oh, all right. Well, uh, some cool news actually. Um, Game of Thrones is partnering with Johnny Walker to bring out a series of, uh, you know, like special edition whiskeys. Mm-hmm. And um, the first one, the first one they've shown off here is Johnny White Walker. <laughs> and I just think it's a uh, it's pretty, pretty funny. I think they're going to come out sometime next year. Yeah. Um, you know, with the final with the final season. Uh, but it's pretty cool. They're just doing some commemorative editions, so I guess we'll have to get those and try them out. Yeah, it'll be worth uh, saving the do, bottle we, for that one. Yeah, it's yeah for sure. Yeah, we do have a uh, a drinking game coming, mm-hmm. so yep. you know. But yeah, hope yeah we should probably have 
have that going before next year. But I don't know. Maybe we'll do another. We'll do a part two. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Part two. So, (laughs) yeah. So pretty cool. The pictures are pretty funny. So anyway. Right. I just thought that was uh, that's some cool news this week. That's big news, to be honest with you. That's huge. I actually was super excited when you told me about that. I was like, what? (laughs) White Walker. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That'll mess you up, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not much of a I'm not much of a drinker. Yeah. So well then it'll really mess you up, sir Matt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Oh sp- oh speaking of which, real quick. So yeah. yesterday I was uh I was at a wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was yeah, it red? And I, was, was it red? No. Okay. Actually it was really nice. First of all, it was the best wedding I've ever been to because it was like two minutes. Right. And yeah. oh it was great. It was like literally it was like five minutes. It's like they walk in, say their things, get out. And then, like, they didn't take forever to take pictures and all that stuff. But it's okay. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so I was there. And, uh, you know, my uh, my date for the wedding was like, oh, let's go out, like, afterwards with some, uh, like, you know, some of my friends, some of my, uh, some, some of my coworkers and stuff yep. like that. And they're all, like, nurses and stuff like that. And so I'm like, okay, you know, cool. Like, I'm not really a big party or anything. And then I see, like, her, like her like nurse friends yeah and oh my god they're all like night shift nurses and they're like out in the parking lot like slamming drinks beforehand (laughs) and uh i'm just like oh my god this sounds like you know keg stands and like you know like out till 3 a.m and i i just i can't party like robert brathian sir ezra no yeah okay you know that was like my whole thought i'm like that sounds like the kind of party like robert brathian would be all about Mm -hmm. like you know, I just that's not me, I guess, yeah. anymore. You know, he, I turned 30 this year. Like I said, you know, I turned 30. Right. I just can't. It's tough. Can't do it. It's tough, man. Can't do that. Can't do it, man. Goodness. So, yeah, I did not end up going out uh, with them. But I, yeah, the text messages, you know. You got to hit like, that keg every once in a while, though. You know, it's fun to, you know, bring it yeah. back down. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a, um, at some point we'll have to have a, uh, you know, a, a feast, yeah. Like, you know, a, a big, a big, a big, a big get together, a, uh, a bend the knee and join our feast kind of a event. Man, or something. I would so. love to have a like a meetup or whatever, and just yeah, you know, just like I, I'll yeah, I think anywhere. a big, I think a big feast or something. Maybe, maybe we meet, maybe we like meet up at some big conference hall somewhere and just kind of yeah. have like a big catered feast hangout. Yeah, uh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> would be sweet. So. I, I I could just see like Lord Alan Parker showing up and he's like you know late trying to ask for forgiveness and Sir Matt's like yeah it's true there's, yeah, there's I, no yeah, no need <laughs> yeah no need yeah oh, that's what I've been thinking yeah I've been thinking about I've been thinking about like a bigger kind of meetup event and what we would do and I don't know that seems to me like the would be the cool way cool way to do it yeah gotcha so. And anywho, all right. Well, um, let's go ahead uh, move on to our Maester study. This week yep. we we're talking about the Wall and Beyond. Right. Mm-hmm. This. Uh, so, you, I think your Sir Matt's going to read as he does just the the, the intro and, and, and things. But uh, very quickly we get to a part that uh, we've had a lot of ravens about. I think it's nice mm-hmm. just to kind of see you know from the text here what exactly we have because I found a couple other things on uh, the wiki. That I want to bring up, and I have some speculation uh, that I'd like to share with everybody. But yeah, so this, this yeah. will be exciting. So, um, <clears throat> man, the intro of this is so cool. I just want to read like it makes you just want to read the whole chapter. But I'm going to kind of skip uh, at slightly an odd spot, like in the middle of a paragraph, because I think that uh, it, it, it'll work best for what we uh, okay. what we want to say. So, 
Unique in the Seven Kingdoms is the Night's Watch, the sworn brotherhood that has defended the Wall over centuries and millennia. Born in the aftermath of the Long Night, the generation-long winter that brought the others down on the realms of men and nearly put an end to them. The history of the Night's Watch is a long one. Tales still tell of the Black Knights of the Wall and their noble calling, but the Age of Heroes is long done. And the others have not shown themselves in thousands of years, if indeed they ever existed. And so, year by year, the watches dwindled. Their own records prove that this decline has be- had been in progress even before the Age of Conqueror and his sisters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot just to pick out from that little like snippet of this chapter. Yeah. Um, first, first of all, I think let's just let's just talk a little bit about. Born in the Long Night, the generation of winter that brought the others down on the realms of men and nearly put an end to them. So, had did the others exist before that? Oh, yeah. I, I actually totally believe that they did. And, and one of my uh, pieces of, of speculation is that the Long Night is, is not just, you know, the short amount of time that we, that we think it is. Uh, I right. think it's, it's, this, it's this period of time that's uh, much more vast than... We believe it to be, and also, uh, the Night's Watch was born during that time. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, well, and and remember that the children creating the others is a show only thing right now. Yep, am I? Mm-hmm. I'm correct. I'm correct in that statement. Oh, yeah. I believe. Yep, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a show only thing. So, right. Uh, so we have. So they could have existed well before that. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Well, and the, and the children too. I get what you're saying, yeah, because because basically the children creating them. Actually, think about that. The children creating them for we assume even in the show that that they created them to help aid them in some way, right? Right. Um, well, I guess I guess that still could have uh, have happened because the long night happens after you know the dawn age and and the mm-hmm. um, sort of around that. Uh, Age of Heroes, so it, it could have right. been that they did create them still, but they, they so they would have been around before the Long Night, you know, doing right. God knows what, and uh, it was during the Long Night that they kind of you know became out of control or uh, gathered their own forces, kind of got a consciousness of their own. Uh, maybe they mm-hmm. are in coordination with the with the children, but uh, yeah, yeah. I was trying to I think about know. that I... timeline there for a second because it it would still work out that the children created them, you know, and then the Long Night you know, is what, is what uh, came about resulted of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just, we don't, we don't know yet in, in the books. No. Uh, so, um, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, I what I wanted to say was that I kind of believe that when they talk about the night's watch here, it's this order that was revered. I mean, it was sort of like mm-hmm. so revered there. Were, it was such a, a calling, you know, that these men had to come and defend the realm uh, against mm-hmm. the others, I think the uh, I think it was a lot like how the how they um, how the wildlings will raid and they'll attack here, they'll attack there. I honestly believe the Night's Watch was defending against the others for thousands of years. I actually think it wasn't like mm-hmm. they beat them like 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 you know, you know how we believe like no. Azora High shows up and then just boom, you know, sure maybe push them back and 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 uh, vanquish them for a bit, but then they return with these smaller forces and they keep kind of you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Rating or, or or testing the 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 defenses of the seven kingdoms, um, yeah. I, I just seems to me that that, that that's a big 
uh, deal. So I don't know that it, mm-hmm. it went around yeah. for a long time. So, well, you know, and think about it. I mean, you know, see, like this show, like uh, the books and the show, it's it's based on like season, like seasons and nights, right? Like you know, kind of think of that. And if you think about night, like nighttime, like it starts getting dark around like seven or eight, right? That doesn't mean it's fully night yet. Mm-hmm. You know, that's evening. And yep. then, you know, it's like, it's like time. It's a right. It's like a half. It's like, think of it like a crescent, like a, at some point, you know, it's, it's in the middle where it would be like theoretically like the darkest. And that's when it starts, you know, getting light, but there's all that time beforehand. Yep. So, yep. You know, exactly. So, it's so, yeah, um, and then uh, th- then this, and and so year by year, the watch has dwindled, and then their own records prove that the decline has been in progress even before the age of Conqueror and his sisters, yeah. which like is still like, you know, it's like every time we hear about the Night- Night's Watch, we get that little snippet in the Fire and Blood preview, right where they where like Queen Alicent goes up there and she can already kind of see. Okay, they, like it is kind of starting. They like they make it seem like it's already starting to dwindle. Yeah. But you know, even all the way up into like Duncan Egg, when Blood Raven goes and he takes like fifty or three hundred, I can't remember. Yeah, the, the Raven's exact number. teeth. Yeah. Yeah, he takes his own. He takes his own men up there. It still seems like it's pretty like well fortified, but we just don't really hear about it that much mm-hmm. about how much it how much it is dwindling. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um. Okay. So. Well, and, and then, you know, as you said, year by year, the, wa- the, the watches dwindled. Their own records prove uh, that this decline has been in progress even before the age of Aegon's conquerors. Later on here, it talks about how they had moved from, um, what was it, the Night Fort? You know, that was like mm-hmm. their stronghold. Yeah. So, you know, even moving from their biggest, largest keep, um, you know, to like, I guess, 300 AC, you know, they can't man that fort anymore. It's just too big, you know, and they don't have enough men. Or yeah. It was costing them too much money. So there's another yeah, yeah, indication yeah. that it's declining. Yeah, right here I have the uh, <clears throat> I have that highlighted. The greatest and oldest of these is the Night Fort, which has been abandoned for the past 200 years. Uh, as the watch shrunk, its size made it too large and costly to maintain. Maesters who served the Night Fort whilst uh, it was still in use made it plain that the castle has been expanded upon many times over centuries and that little remained of its original structure save for some of the deepest vaults chiseled out of the rock beneath the castle's feet. Yeah. Hmm. And so what's at the night for? Yeah, great question. I kind of wonder if it's, you know, if you look at it where it, where it is on, on the map uh, along the wall there, it, it seems like it, it is the, you know, place where things started. You know, almost like maybe where if there's ancient spells and things that were laid, they were laid there. You know, because they talk about how... Uh, they believe that the builders started with brick, you know, or, or, mm-hmm. or uh, stone, you know, and that uh, these stones were laid and then eventually uh, they used the ice to kind of like uh, help to fortify it even further. So, mm-hmm. but I, I believe, I wonder if there's a connection. I mean, there is actually, we know that I think it's, um, wow, is that where Sam and those guys go through? Isn't it? Isn't that um, the night fort where, where they pass through? Let me look that I, up. I, yeah, I think, I think you're correct. Because it seems like it has like a, you know, it's, it's like the power is like the weirwood tree door that's underneath the wall. I think it's near the night fort. As a matter of fact, I'm almost positive it is, but I'll just double check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're correct. Um, but, you know, also I'm looking at this map here 
And now I'm wondering, you know, Sir Ezra, in that Fire and Blood preview where Queen Allison flies up there mm-hmm. for the Night's Watch, and I think she goes to Castle Black, doesn't she? Uh, Yeah. So she goes to Castle Black, and it's interesting because I'm looking at the map here, and that's where the King's Road goes. And it and it's King Jaharis that creates the King's Road. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that is actually something else that's going on. That maybe that's why they're flying up to Winterfell. Yeah. And yeah. then up to and then up to the wall because they're kind of scouting, hey, where are we gonna put this King's Road? Because the best people to do it would be the people who have dragons and can kind of look and see. Um Right. Because it says that the night fort has been abandoned for the past 200 years right. and which would make which would make it uh, around 100 mm-hmm. AC. And so I think that is around so, the time that Jaehaerys, you know, is king. So, yeah, it's a, it's a recent abandonment. Right. And so that's why they're mm-hmm. they're there. Yeah. And just so so I was right. So in A Storm of Swords, that is where Bran, uh, Hodor, Mira, Jojen, uh, all kind of they go there to the night fort. Uh, and Bran is sort of remembering old Nan's tales, uh, kind of frightens him. Jojen reassures him it's not dangerous. Mir climbs the ice steps to look for, uh, to look from atop the wall. Meanwhile, Cold Hands is leading Samwell, Tarly, and Gilly to the Black Gate. So there's okay. that, um, which Sam opens by uh, saying the vow, <laughs> which is so great. Uh, he says his vow. Uh, Sam and Gilly pass through the Black Gate, cross the wall. Cold Hands cannot enter the gate. Uh, climbing the ste- the stepped wall, or the stepped well, Sam uh, surprises Bran. Remember they hear that it's like super scary. They're telling the story about the rat cook, and uh, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like they're freaking out because someone is actually coming uh, up that well. Which, by the way, that same contraption that is going to be what what Varys and um, Illyrio are climbing up out of in the Arya chapter. Almost this mm-hmm. well with stairs, you know, and it has sort of like a lid to it. And they're, they, it's a circular thing that they're that they're walking up, which I think is just interesting. A little connection. So yeah, um, you know something else. I'm, I'm looking at this map, Sir Ezra, and something I didn't know existed. I'm sure it's mentioned at some point, but just is if you go all the way west, I guess um, you've got the Shadow Tower, right? Yeah. Well, then you have West Watch by the bridge, which is one of these small little ones, and then the Bridge of Skulls. Hmm. So if you look at that on the bottom of that page, the wall actually ends, and you still have some like icy kind of mountains, and then there's a bridge. So my guess would be that seems to be the more likely way to cross into the Seven Kingdoms. Well, I see it. Wow. Holy smokes. Now, you, you, you don't think that's something that the Night's Watches actually created themselves, is it? Bridge of I Skulls. Don't know. Let me look it up. Bridge of Skulls. Yeah. yeah because that could be just something too, that, because that the Wildlings made, you know. Um, right. Let me check. But, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, and that's why East Watch and Shadow Tower are, are super important to kind of uh, defend and, and be on the lookout, you know, for people kind of coming around the wall, you know. Mm-hmm. So fun. yeah, um, Bridge of Skulls it just says is a bridge which traverses the gorge located west of the wall in northern Westeros. It is a dangerous route named for the bones in the gorge below. Mm-hmm. Bowen Marsh leads the Night's Watch against uh, the Weepers Wildlings in a fight at the Bridge of Skulls, and that is in 
Um, Storm of Swords, Chapter 75, Samwell mm-hmm. 4. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's probably just mentioned is what yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, yep. Yeah, costly victory for the Night's Watch over the Wildlings. Yep. Near the Gorge. Hmm. Yeah, because yeah. you, you wonder... Um, well, and if you look at beyond the wall, which we're going to talk about a little bit, that whole western half is much more frozen terrain, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, like the, the haunted forest is really up the east side, you know, and where Bran sort of goes to see uh, the three-eyed crow um, is up that, you know, middle to eastern side type of thing. So there's, I mean, not that they couldn't have come down that way, but it, it seems like Mance Raider wanted to come right for Castle Black and, uh, you know, enter through those gates. And again, again he's got the... Horn of Jormon uh, with him, air quote there, but uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, because you have you you have actually this area of <clears throat> I'm looking at I'm on the the north if you if you go a couple pages back so you can just kind of see so you so you have Skagos right which we talked about which is seems like it you know they kind of consider them their own thing and part of it extends up beyond the wall and. And then all the way against the Shadow Tower, you've got quite a bit, actually, that kind of extends down. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, like, that Bay of Ice. And then, you know, if you go, if you want to sail south, you're going to sail right into Bear Island. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So that's something we don't really hear about, but it seems like, you know, they they would be the ones dealing with, uh, I wonder how many wildlings they have to deal with. Up there in Bear, Bear Island, Island. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure they, I'm sure they do. Yeah, there's actually some history on on Bear Island being sort of. Uh, they even have to deal sometimes with the Ironborn, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for, yeah. for a long stretch. Uh, not for a long stretch, but um, they had made the long trek up there at one point. So, right. Uh, huh. Okay. So okay, back to chapter here. Um, just some more interesting things. Okay, so then it talks a little bit about the 13th Lord Commander yeah. of the Night's Watch. Yep. Um, so I'm going to kind of read read this here. Yet over the thousands of years of its existence, the chief seat of the Watch, the Night Fort, has accrued many legends of its own, some of which have been recounted in Archmaester Harmon's Watchers on the Wall. The oldest of these tales concern the legendary Night's, Night's King the 13th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, who was alleged to have bedded a sorceress pale as a corpse and declared himself a king. For 13 years, the Night's King and his corpse queen ruled uh, together before the King of Winter, Brandon the Breaker, uh, in alliance, it is said, with the king beyond the wall, Joramun, brought them down. Therefore, he obliterated the Night's King's very name from memory. And then it goes on to talk a little bit about the in the Citadel Arch, you know, Archmaesters largely dismiss these tales and all of these kind of and kind of things. Right. I think it's interesting that they do suggest that they believe the Corpse Queen could have been a woman from the Barrowlands, uh, and actually mm-hmm. one of the daughters of the Barrow King. Uh, that might have been mm-hmm. something to where she was, you know, because of the Barrows being sort of this reference to a grave. Maybe uh, she was called the Corpse Queen because of that connection to the barrows there so mm-hmm. so just think about this this is interesting though um remember it's mance raider that claims to have found the horn of Joraman, mm-hmm. right and then 
um, they they think that Melisandre burns a horn, thinking that it is the horn of Joramon. Yeah. Right. Which some people are saying could also be it's the it's the horn that could bring down the wall. Right. Well, you know, so that goes that goes back into those whole horns business. And what if it is actually the horn of winter? So maybe it was a horn that defeated the knights, Night King, and like the others. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, that that actually could it could just also be legend surrounding. You know that if if he was in alliance with the King of Winter, Brandon the Breaker, and mm-hmm. you know used that. It says that he, in ancient days blew the the horn of winter and woke the giants from the earth, right? So if that's around the time of the thirteenth Lord Commander, uh, right? What does that mean? Because giants had been around well before that, you know. Mm-hmm. So so he's not waking any giants. So what does that mean? He woke the giants from the earth. Right. Um, just interesting. I don't know. Raising the dead, yeah, so. you know, in some way or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, you know, maybe it was just that they that they named. Um, that they they claim that that horn can bring down uh, the wall because in a sense Jorman was was the king beyond the wall who did actually bring down the the Knights King you know mm-hmm. the thirteenth uh, yeah. Lord Commander so along with, yeah along with Brandon Brandon the Breaker so um, okay so then it kind of it kind of moves on from there and it talks about just then it names all the castles yeah or you know forts at at, at the wall so you have the three that are active the Shadow Tower. Castle Black, which is now the seat of the Lord Commander, and Eastwatch by the sea, and then Abandoned. Man, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So you have Westwatch by the bridge, Sentinel Stand, Greyguard, um, and remember, Greyguard is where John wants to send Jano Slint to uh, fortify. Yeah, oh, right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and yeah. Just pull up my map here to see exactly where Greyguard is. So, so Greyguard is. It's kind of in between the Shadow Tower and Castle Black. Okay. Um, so then you've got uh, Stone Door, Hoarfrost Hill, Ice Mark, the Night Fort, uh, Deep Lake, Queen's Gate, which was once named Snowgate before being named in honor of Good Queen Allison. Mm-hmm. So that's probably when she flies up there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oaken Shield, which is a clear. Um, yep. You know, Gur reference to Tolkien there. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Woods Woods Watch by the Pool, Sable Hall, Rimgate, Long Barrow, Torches, and Green Guard. Yeah. Yeah, pretty it's crazy to think that there's that many. So uh, like like you can imagine how epic the Night's Watch once was and that it ha- it needed that many keeps to keep the others at bay. You know what I'm saying? So you needed that yeah, many nineteen. So night there were nineteen castles. Yeah. yeah, I think I just think that's just, that's crazy impressive. So. Yeah. So, um, all right. And then it, it goes on to talk a little bit about just you know like the, you know like the types of people that like the orders of the Night's Watch kind of calls them the first military order actually. Um, you know, then it talks about the stewards, the builders, the rangers, um, and then just goes on kind of to talk about how just the structure of the Night's Watch. Yeah, right. Yep. Which we kind of know. We understand uh, the others. Our yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we've kind of... Builders, rangers, yeah, and it. so on. And they're all called mm-hmm. upon to, to fight if they were ever sort of uh, under mm-hmm. siege or whatever. But yeah, they're day-to-day mm-hmm. activities. Uh, yeah. Um, so then it goes on. Uh, then we kind of move over to the wildlings. 
Um, and it just talks about how, you know, they're super diverse. It says all descended from the first men uh, that we are and then that we are the more civilized uh, s- south naming. Uh, we name them wildlings. Um, this is not a term they use themselves. The largest and most numerous of these varied people beyond the wall name themselves the free folk and believe that their savage customs allow them to live uh, live lives of the greater freedom than the kneelers of the south. Um, it says they have no laws. Uh, they have countless tribes and clans. Uh, and that they all remain uh, worshippers of the old gods and the first men and the children of the forest, the gods of the weirwood trees. Although this is interesting. Some accounts say that there are those who worship different gods, dark gods beneath the ground in the frost fangs, gods of snow and ice on the frozen shore or crab gods of uh, Storold's point. But such has never been reliably confirmed. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's a large area, you know. So, oh, it's huge, right? There, the there. area, the and we we don't we don't know where it ends, mm-hmm. um, but it's. I mean, it's it's pretty big up there too. Yeah. The the beyond beyond the wall. Yeah. Right. Now, I think what's interesting the very next uh, paragraph there where, where you stomped uh, says the Rangers of the Night's Watch speak of still stranger people who dwell in the more distant corners of the lands beyond the wall, the bronze-clad warriors. From a hidden vale far to the north, the Hornfoots go on bare foot, even over ice and snow. We know of the wild people of the frozen shore who live in huts of ice and ride sleds pulled by hounds. Uh, there are half a dozen tribes who make up their home in caverns, and rumors tell of cannibals in the upper reaches of the icy rivers beyond the wall. I thought it was interesting, these people who walk mm-hmm. around, you know, barefoot on... Hobbits. That's what I was thinking. Hobbits. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Watch out for those people, okay? So Hornfoots. Hornfoots. Just funny. Mm-hmm. Hornblowers. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, we have this uh, kind of little paragraph here. The Wilding Raiders trouble the realm largely for iron and steel, uh, things they lack the skill to make themselves. Many raiders are armed with weapons of wood and stone, even of horn in some cases. Some carry bronze axes and knives, but even these are considered valuable. The famous war leaders amongst them often support stolen steel, sometimes taken from the rangers of the watch, whom they have killed. Um, I will say this, though. I, I still do find it interesting that over the over these you know, many, many, many years, especially like the way the show kind of portrays hard home. I mean, it almost makes it seem like it is kind of its own little city. I know that they're kind of like more savage people, but I still feel like over time they would have somewhat kind of like created a structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Or learned some, or learned like some blacksmithing trade or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's it, isn't it? Just the wildlings. That's all really all they cover. Uh, yeah. Um, talks, talks about hard home a little bit, mm-hmm. which we see in the uh, in the show. Yeah, yeah, right here. We'll just kind of mention this. It talks about the last king beyond the wall to cross the wall was Raymond or Raymond Redbeard, who brought the wildlings together in 212 or 213 AC. It was not until 226 AC that he and the wildlings would breach the wall by climbing in their hundreds and thousands up the slick ice and down the other side. Raymond's uh, host numbered in the thousands by all accounts, and they fought their way as far south as Long Lake. Their Lord Willem Stark and the drunken giant 
Lord Harmon, the How Lord Harmond of House Umber, brought their armies against him with two hosts surrounding him uh, at the lake to take take his back. Redbeard fought and died, but not before slaying Lord Willem. When the Night's Watch appeared at last, led by its Lord Commander Jack Muscud, uh, called Jack Musk, uh, called Jolly Jack before the invasion, and Sleepy Jack uh, <laughs> forever after. The battle was done, and the angry Artostock, the Lord uh, Willem's brother, accounted, um, gave the Black Brothers the duty of burying the dead. This task, at the at the least, they performed admirably. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, give them more men, you know? Yeah, that's why, I guess, I mean, you know, that's so why, that's why, uh, that's why Eddard Stark was talking about Maybe I'll have to go ride up against them. Right. Well, don't insult them and think that they can cover, you know, uh, that much of, of the wall and, mm-hmm. you know, think that they can't get through in some places. Well, you have 19, you have three of 19 forts uh, being manned. Right. You know what I'm saying? And barely manned at that. Like, right. even Castle Black is like. Gosh. I, I, everybody's insulting the Night's Watch, but there's, it's just, it's something, they're going to have a role to play, some ancient relic something found something super cool that's going to really like put them back up in the uh like by the end of this series i think it's going to be like men will want to go join and, and maybe they right. re- restructure it in in different ways and stuff i don't know it's just this ancient order they're going to go join but it's it's going to be epic so yeah so cool i like that okay uh let's go ahead and move on over to our reread um so last week we were in Tyrion 4 that is, what, that is where Tyrion was uh, found himself being taken to the Eyrie instead of Winterfell. Um, and they were attacked by some Vale Mountain clans. And Tyrion actually had saved Catelyn. And then um, he was kind of talking to her about Littlefinger's accusations and say that Tyrion would never bet against his family. Right. So this week we are in Arya 3, but real quick, a little... Uh, Last time we were in an Arya chapter, she was uh, unhappy at King's Landing. She had kind of abandoned her dinner, and her father had come to her room and saw that she had had her sword out. After a long talk, he had decided not to take the sword, and uh, several days later, she met her new dancing master. So this week, Arya 3. Arya is chasing uh, cats. Um, when Marcella and Tommen discover her, she escapes unidentified but finds herself in the dungeons. There she overhears two men talking about killing her father. After eventually finding her way out, she tries to tell her father what she heard, but he doesn't believe her. So have this kind of broken up into a few parts here. We have um, chasing cats, uh, monsters of the keep, and then um, my father is the hand. Uh, that is where she's uh, telling the guardsmen who uh, who don't believe her. Right. Um So, okay, so uh, the first part here where she's kind of chasing the cats. Yeah. Yep, she's running through the uh, Red Keep uh, serial center on this task, and uh, the Red Keep is full of cats, lazy old cats, dozens, Mm -hmm. uh, dozing in the sun, cold-eyed mousers, twitching in uh, their tails, quick little kittens with claws like needles, ladies' cats all combed and trusting. Uh, So she was looking for a cat that was, like, difficult, I think, to to snatch, Mm -hmm. and she wanted... Serial to kind of be proud of her, right? So uh, they tell this tale of this uh, one-eared black devil of a tomcat, and I think people has, has mm-hmm. there been any speculation about this cat? Uh, like, there is. There are there are theory. There are actually um, 
it, Alt Shift X actually did a big theory right. on this cat. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. A big. Because some people believe some people believe that uh, somebody had turned themselves into into a cat. What is the name? What is that cat's name? Well, I think some people even go as far as to say that he might be Azora High. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just love that. I love that thought. Uh, but yeah. So. Um, this this one-eared black devil of a tomcat. So I think people were looking for, like, one-eared people who could, like, turn themselves into, you know, uh, a cat. Because that's the um, quote here. Uh, that's the real king of the castle right there. One of the glo- gold cloaks had told her, older than sin and twice as mean. One time, the king was feasting the queen's father, and the black bastard hopped up on the table, snatched a roast quail right out from Lord Tywin's fingers. Robert laughed so hard, he liked to burst. And they're trying to send Arya mm-hmm. away, but I thought that was kind of funny. This is the cat she's she's after, um, and really, you know, chasing him down. Uh, this is going to be a, a task. She wants to brag to Serio uh, that she can do it, that she's light as a feather, uh, and and so on. And she ends up catching the cat. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, it's it's spitting, hissing, you know, clawing at her 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 jacket. There, she did get cut up quite a bit, and I thought this was kind of neat uh, beforehand. Serio kind of dabs her wounds with mirish fire. You know, which burned so bad mm-hmm. that she had to bite her lip uh, from screaming. So, just another little reference there to some of the uh, free cities and things in Sirio's uh, background. You know that he's uh, healing up her wounds. I wonder if he's going to get. I, I kind of was thinking when, like, Sirio sends her out on this task, and I'm sort of like, who's keeping an eye on Arya? You know, right? Yeah. Like, why did no, Sirio point. send her away? Uh, was he keeping an eye on her through this one-eared, black-eyed tomcat? Um, or, because he kind of, I think, tells her, like, I think she's, well, he just says go catch some cats. Uh, but, yeah, what, like, was he up to something? You know, what was Sirio doing? Did, did, did he just basically need to send her on her way? Did he know that this cat would lead her down to the dungeons where it did, you know, I, I just think it's always, it's kind of interesting that Serial would make a mistake like this, or that he would, air quote, mistake, uh, in sending her around to potentially get lost. Now, maybe he didn't think mm-hmm. she would end up where she did, and that she'd go as far as she went, uh, but you have to imagine he'd go keep an eye on her, you know? Mm-hmm. So, cause wow, okay, real quick on this cat. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to go into too big of a rabbit. Go ahead, here, rabbit hole. But I have found some of the theories on this cat. Yeah. So. I'm in a World of Ice of Fire thread, and people are saying that. Uh, I have to look. Where was this even mentioned? Okay, so in a Game of Thrones, Chapter 58, um, we learn that Princess uh, Rhaenys Targaryen had a little black kitten, and it said who liked to pretend that he was the dragon Balerion. So people have called it Balerion is the kitten, the, this kitten. Yeah. Um, and it's people are saying it doesn't know what happened, so people are saying that this this cat with one ear is... Um, Rainy's cat. It's 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 her it's her it's her cat. Wow. Yeah. Many readers believe that this uh, vicious black tomcat with a torn ear still lives in the Red Keep, and that's uh, and it says it has somewhat kind of been confirmed in a so spake Martin from November fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine. What do you say? What, what, did he say something? Do they have <laughs> uh, it there? I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna have to. Okay. Now I'm gonna have to uh, click on that because this it. cat could be the key to everything here. I've. I mean, here's here's the thing. What caught my attention? Um, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's see. So. Um, uh, okay, George Martin's reply when asked if the black tomcat caught by Arya was Rainey's little kitten, he said, could be. <laughs> <What>? Wow. 
that's just, in 1999 though so it is interesting so i will say this though like you do have to look at like when some of these if you want to go by some sur- sospeak martins you do have to look at when they were said because if that was said in 1999 that's way before um that's way before a feast for crows yeah came out and that's way before the show so like right, right. You know, it's you, you got to kind of think about what I think if Gur is saying could be, I think that that's uh, probably a little more legitimate because, you know, like like if he if he says it, if he says it now, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, tosses the whole world into and, you know, and and to phrase. So back then, I mean, these books were big, but they weren't obviously didn't were nowhere close to the. Gotcha. As he's, big as yeah, he's now. more willing to kind of reveal a couple you know, right, reveal a little whatever. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so then there's some quotes of um, somebody here. Thankfully, had put some quotes of uh, just from, from sections that we see here. So, um, you had just kind of mentioned this, right? The the cat. That's the real king of the of yep. the castle, right here. Yep. One of the god. Yeah, go close soldier. So then, in Ned's final chapter in A Game of Thrones, Varys p- pays him a visit in the Black Cells and says something a little different about the demonic feline. Rainey's uh, was a child too, Prince Rhaegar's daughter, a precious little thing, younger than than your girls. She had a small black kitten. She called Balerion. Did you know? I always wondered what happened to him. So there's kind of maybe some, some, um, yeah. There in the ep in the epilogue of A Dance with Dragons, Tommen's Tommen admits to seeing him. The bad cat was outside my window last night. He informed Kevin at one point, but Sir Pounce hissed at him and he ran off across the the, the roofs. The bad cat, Sir Kevin said, amused. He is a sweet boy. An old black tomcat with a torn ear, Cersei told him. A filthy thing, a foul-tempered and foul-tempered. He clawed Joff's hand once. She made a face. Uh, The cats keep the rats down, I know. But that one, he has been uh, known to attack ravens in the rookery. Dear Um, God. And so then this person is saying... I know. So this person is going on and saying, so we've seen this Tomcat make appearances with Arya, Robert Baratheon, Tywin, Joffrey, Cersei, and Tommen, and it is known by many and many in the city. Now, what do you think? Now, why do I think that this cat symbolizes death? Because so far, it seems that everyone that this cat crosses path with ends up ulti- uh, with the ultimate fate of it. Of the six I named, death was already claimed, has already claimed three of them. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me, Tommen's death is inevitable um, be, uh, in case of him being on the Iron Throne. Um, we do kind of know what happens to him in the show. So that's obviously a potential. And Cersei with her trials, what he's saying here. But Cersei, we know, uh, is going is there's the prophecy of her of her death. So um, he says now for Arya, this guy's going to say he thinks that she'll be one of the sole survivors of the series. But as we know, Arya kind of chases death aria kind of follows mm-hmm. death because everyone yep. else the cat just kind of comes across whereas right. aria is actually chasing it dear Ar- and then she kind of becomes i guess you could almost argue an agent of death right yeah. when she's working for the many face men so that's kind of what this guy's going on to say here so i don't know pretty uh pretty interesting and then um one other thing here this is from Sansa's second chapter in A Clash of Kings, just before she interacts with Sir Dantos for the first time in the Godswood. She ran down a shadowy um, colonnade and pressed herself against the wall to catch her breath when something brushed against her leg. She almost jumped out of her skin, but it was only a cat, a ragged, black-torn, uh, with a chewed-off ear. The creature spat at her and leapt away. Mm. 
so do we so we don't we don't know uh what happens with Sansa maybe that maybe the cat doesn't uh kind of symbolize death for her because it doesn't really try to like attack her it just kind of like yeah like you if know, you if away. you happen across the cat that's different with the cat seeks you out kind of thing yeah well mm-hmm. I mean here's something you know when we talk about skin changers and warging they don't like they kind of recommend not uh warging into cats just because yeah. of their nature um and it's it's something that there's something different about cats you know but could you mm-hmm. warg into a cat i think you could actually if that was mm-hmm. your only option you know or could oh, you you definitely could yeah you definitely could s- you know skin change i mean we hear about uh Varamir, you know um uh, kind of getting lost in his creatures and 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 actually that spirit you know going from you know from from being a person to a beast so is this you know mm-hmm. is this rainy's targaryen running around is it yeah it could be you know what i'm saying or, or or who else could be who you know have have warged into this cat i don't know man right. pretty cool or it's actually just a crazy cat or it's yeah, just so, well, I don't know. <laughs> just a crazy cat uh, yeah could be a lot of things so, oh man all right all right so hey sometimes we go down rabbit holes or in this case you know yeah chase whatever. cats yeah so, right. chasing cats that's chasing the cats there it is it's a new thing <laughs> Oh, so, man. Our, all right. Well, let us know in the group. I'm sure you guys will pick up and, and start going on about this cat. Yeah. Valerian the cat. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So, so. All right. Yeah. Uh, so Arya, we know, is Arya's chasing cats. And this uh, this this line, though, it, I just want to bring up here. This is where it kind of starts and it comes up a lot, a lot more kind of throughout Arya uh, as a character. Quiet as a shadow, she told herself. Light as a feather. Right. This yep. is where she kind of starts that repeating inner monologue thing. Yeah. Yep. Things she's learned from Serio, and she's trying to kind of, uh, well, and, and she actually already shows, you know, people talk about like, well, all of a sudden she just gets all these skills and talents. No. I mean, here in a second, she meets Marcella uh, and Prince Tommen and has to evade capture and does, mm-hmm. you know, by two mm-hmm. trained, yeah. la- you know, Lannister men. Um, and I know she's just small, you know, and, and, and quick, and maybe they didn't expect it, but still. Like, I don't know, you, you wouldn't think these fit, you know, guys that she would get past, you know, but mm-hmm. she does. Um, so, so Princess Marcella and, and Tommen happen across her. They think she's a boy, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, yeah, what, what were you doing to that cat boy? Right. She's like, they don't they don't know me they, and they don't even know I'm a girl. Yeah. Right. But she was worried that if she started to speak to them, that they would recognize <laughs> her voice and, and know that she is, you know. Uh, a Stark, you know, and that she's Arya right. Stark. So they were worried about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was more worried that, like, Septa Mordain would never let her hear the end of it and Sansa would never speak to her again if, if they found out that oh, she sure. was kind of caught looking this in this in this way. Uh, I think had it been anyone else who she was in equal footing with, like even other high-born um, girls and boys, we'd be okay. But this right. is princess and, and prince, you know? So right. uh, it's just a yeah. little different. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she kneels though, right? When she, like, I think she kneels mm-hmm. here, and then that's when um, she decides to kind of take off. She does a little spin move around the guard, and she gets right. the heck out of there. So takes off running, uh, knocks into Tommen actually, knocks into him, knocks him down, and uh, mm-hmm. heads off. She hears shouts and then pounding footsteps closing behind her. She dropped and rolled. Uh, the red cloak went. Uh, careening past, stumbling. Arya sprang back to her feet. She saw a window above her, high and narrow, uh, scarcely more than an arrow slit. Ar- Arya leapt, caught the sill, pulled herself up, 
and she gets through that she's slippery as an eel that's again that inner mm-hmm. monologue piece where it's her dialogue mm-hmm. right she's uh telling herself to kind of slip through what mm-hmm. is what is he teaching her man because i mean swift as a deer slippery as an eel quiet as a shadow you know <laughs> she's just you know calm as still water smooth mm-hmm. as summer silk um all of those things yeah that, that you said uh does that can that yeah. continues i mean throughout most of her point of view chapters right yeah it does yeah i mean there's there's a lot of moments later where i mean where she's where she's you know when she's trying to es- like when she's trying to escape the lannisters yeah like you know like the king's men um when she's in like uh running around the riverlands and stuff like that so right okay yeah you know i mean and then then um so she ends up kind of uh find she's realized she's lost right Yep. You know, and yeah, uh, you know, Arya was out of breath and quite thoroughly lost. She was uh, in for it now uh, if they had recognized her, but she, you know, she she she's kind of she's in the dark against a damp stone, and she listens for the pursuit, but the only sound was beat the beating of her own heart and a distant drop of water. Quiet as a shadow, she told herself. She was wondering where she was when they had first come to King's Landing. She used to have bad dreams about getting lost in the castle. Father said the Red Keep was smaller than Winterfell, but in her dreams it had been a merse, uh, an endless stone maze with walls that seemed to shift and change behind her. She would find herself wandering down gloomy halls, past faded tapestries, descending endless circular stairs, darting through courtyards over bridges, um, her shouts echoing unanswered. In some of the rooms, the red stone walls would seem to drip blood, and nowhere she could find a window. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so that's that's kind of where she is. She's kind of she doesn't know where she she doesn't know where she's at, and she's in kind of not really the dungeon, but it's just kind of where they keep like the dragon skulls. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And so you're right. She's scared. She's deciding what to do, and she kind of hunkers down, hugs her knees to her chest mm-hmm. there, and then she's uh, counting. She says she wants to count to what was it? Um, Maybe a hundred. Uh, t- she says something. she's going to count to ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's yeah. like, uh, but she gets to 87 and then her her eyes kind of catch up uh, and she can kind of see mm-hmm. around. There's a, little, a bit of a gloom uh, that she can mm-hmm. see through. And uh, she pretended that Cyril was right beside her in the dark, whispering in her ear, calm as still water. She told herself, strong as a bear, fierce as a wolverine. She opened her eyes again. Uh, the monsters were still there, uh, but the fear was gone. And so when she had first clo- opened her eyes, she saw dimly these shadows of long teeth. Um, mm-hmm. And so those were the monsters. She's, as, Ma- as Sir Matt just said, you know, she's there with the dragon skulls. Uh, and she runs from them, actually. She does. Yeah. So takes off running, doesn't spend a lot of time there. Uh, and mm-hmm. she gets to this big, heavy, iron-ringed, uh, or this heavy uh, door, uh, an iron ring uh, set in the wood. She yanked on it. The door resisted a moment before it slowly began to swing inward with a creak so loud Arya was certain it could be heard all through the city. She opened the door just enough to slip through into the hallway beyond. And uh, this, it's, she enters even a, even uh, an even darker room, right? Mm-hmm. So it's even yeah. darker in this room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then uh, right here, was there a way in? It, there is a way out. Fear cuts deeper than swords. Arya would not be afraid. It seems uh, as if she had been walking a long ways when the wall ended abruptly and a draft of cold air blew past her cheek. Loose hair uh, stirred faintly against her skin. 
For somewhere uh, far below her, she heard noises, the scrape of boots, the distant sounds of voices. A flickering light brushed the wall ever so faintly, and she saw uh, that she stood at the top of a great black well, a shaft 20 feet across, plunging deep into the earth. Huge stones um, had been set into the carving walls as steep, circling down and down, dark, uh, dark as the steps to hell that old Nan used to tell them of, and something was coming up out of the darkness out of the bowels of earth. This is where she really starts to hear two men walking mm-hmm. towards her. Yeah. Yeah, and this conversation is actually, I think, uh, I've changed my mind about a couple things after I heard mm-hmm. this conversation, and I, I, I didn't have a chance to really read uh, any of the Reddit forums or anything to kind of double-check myself on this, but I want to make a comment about who really did uh, kill, um, oh gosh, what's his name? I just love it. John Aaron. At our... Oh, okay. Yeah. Who really does kill him? Because they kind of talk about that here. But so the words that she hears, you know, found one bastard. One said the rest will come soon. A day, uh, a day, two days, a fortnight. And when he learns the truth, what will he do? A second voice asked. The gods Mm -hmm. alone know. The first one said. Arya could see a wisp of gray smoke drifting off the torch, uh, wreathing like a snake as it rose. So, again, this is uh, what she peered. She's looking at this um, this well, this uh circular type of you know well thing that they're climbing up out of isn't that what it seems like to you matt Mm -hmm. yep Yep. okay yeah and so so they're coming out of this thing and they're getting closer and closer and closer so she's trying to just remain still but she can kind of hear what they're saying uh so so you know once let's see what we what will he do once he learns the truth the gods alone know the first voice said uh the fools tried to kill his son and what's worse they made a mummer's farce of it He's not a man to put that aside. I warn you, the wolf and lion will soon be at each other's throats, whether we will it or not. So whether we will it or not, it seems like they they do want a conflict of some kind. Yeah. You know? And it seems like no, they, for sure. yeah. they just don't want it right now. And you mm-hmm. go on. I mean, we basically know that this is Varys and uh, Illyrio, you know, talking. Right. Here. Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, let me see if I can find the other bit of evidence I was looking forward to. So, they, so, that, so there we go. We know that they want um, war. Uh, then they say, too soon, the voice with the accent uh, complained. What good is war now? We are not ready. Delay. As well bid me right. stop time? Do you take me for a wizard? The other chuckled, no less. So basically saying, yes, I, you are a wizard. I mean, uh, and they actually make the reference to wizard several times. And when Arya reports back to her father, she calls this one man a wizard. And that's Varys. They're speaking right. of Varys. Um, let's see. Ah, so uh, Arya crept back w- t- to the wall, dropped her stomach, flattened herself down. Uh, then we get another quote here. What would you have me do? Asked the torchbearer, a stout man in a leather half cap. Uh, even in heavy boots, his feet seemed to glide soundlessly over the ground. A round, wizard. yeah, wizard, exactly. A a round, uh, scarred face and a, and a stubble of dark beard showed under his steel cap, and he wore mail over boiled leather and a dirk and a short sword at his belt. It seemed to Arya there was something oddly familiar about him. If one hand can die. Why not a second, replied the man with the accent and the forked yellow beard. Mm-hmm. You have danced the dance before, my friend. So right there, you have danced mm-hmm. the dance right. before. Um, uh, he, he was no one Arya had ever seen before. She was certain of that, grossly fat, yet he seemed to walk lightly, carrying the weight 
on the balls of his feet as a water dancer might. So Illyrio, we know he's this huge, you know, fat guy and he's he's right. uh, um, rich and, and what have you, but he has a history. And he, he actually does. does have some of these water dancing type, you know, sword play talents from, from his younger days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, and, and both of them are, you know, kind of known to be, uh, well, s- said that they are f- are familiar with, with um, mummers and, and, and uh, right. yeah, mummer shows and stuff so, like that. So Right here, something, something I, w- I want to bring up here. His ring glimmered in the torchlight, red gold and pale silver, crusted with rubies, sapphires, slitted yellow tiger eyes. <laughs> Rubies and sapphires. I read an interesting, oh, man. an interesting uh, thing on on Reddit the other day about uh, yeah. sapphires. Yeah, and uh, arbor gold. So uh, as I think I'm kind of, kind of working on something I want to kind of turn into a bigger theory, um, at, at some at some point about that. So uh, I just want to just make quick reference to those. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yep, definitely. Anytime those pop up, we want to mention them. Uh, mm. so yeah, he's moving forward. Uh, but. Before is not now, and this hand is not the other. This is, again, Varys kind of talking. Um, and I should say the the, the scarred man. Uh, we don't really know he's Varys, right? But we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps so, the forked beard, bearded man replied. Nonetheless, we must have time. The princess is with child. The call will, be, will not bestir himself until his son is born. You know how they are, these savages. So, again, uh, we need this to be prolonged, push it back, etc., and so really what I wanted to kind of mention, I just want to stop there because then we can kind of just give you guys the rest. When he says that he's danced the dance before and he's trying to convince Varys to do this, uh, who do you think let, you know, Pycelle and the Lannisters know that uh, John Aaron was, was, was close to finding out the truth? Right. Right. You know, I think that is sort of the... Um, Sir Matt, you often talk about like like getting this this big bow ready and it's all nice and <clears throat> perfect, and mm-hmm. then you you, you want to pull this last uh, thread just to make it you know set up just just right. And I think that is something you know Varys is trying to set this bow up right, and he's trying to wait at the right moment just to pull it, and then boom, there's the present, there's the gift. But other people like um, these two hands are coming in and they are figuring this out ahead of schedule. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, so I actually think Varys had yeah. had something to do with his death. Oh, I do too. Right? I mean, that's... well, he. I mean, he certainly probably knew that it was coming, and he probably stayed out. He just, you know, didn't do anything to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which if, you know, yeah. If you think that, then back to um, what's his name, uh, Tohat Tohat Mott or whatever. Toho Toho Mott. Yeah. Then then he's. That if it, I understand why people say that that could have been Varys who showed up with the, you know, with the sapphire um, to kind of bribe him into keeping this bastard hidden for a while. It's something that that maybe Varys wants to wants to bring forward at just right. the right time. You know? Right. But I still kind of have other thoughts on that. But makes sense, you know. I guess so. Well, I think that I think that Varys. Um he, he, you know, he's he's a smart guy. He probably wants to have options, right? Like, sure. oh, I got a plan B, a plan C. So that way, he can stay steps ahead. I mean, you know, if Robert turned out to be a terrible king, okay, then maybe we can do something to adjust that. Yeah. Um. Yep. You know, and you know, with I, I certainly don't think that. Yeah, I mean, there's no way Varys thinks that Joffrey is a good king. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? Right, like yeah. clearly. Uh-huh. 
So, yeah, I mean, maybe that's why he's thinking, okay, and then, but then the Daenerys plan kind of falls through because, you know, Khal Drogo dies, and you yeah. know, then she but kind of. What sits wrong with me about all of that is that is that like, I think they are just Targaryen loyalist, and it doesn't really matter because uh, Viserys is not a good guy. You know, it's just like, right? You know, he's just not someone who we, you would want to be king. Uh, right. Know? So I don't know. I just. Just really strange, I guess. Unless there is more secrecy, as we've talked about, in, in who Danny really is, you know. Um, we've we've had people mm-hmm. write us, you know, different ravens about uh, their belief that she could be someone besides uh, the Mad King's daughter, you know. So, right. So there's that. All right. Okay. We can move on, I think. Okay. So, um, um, let's... Okay. So, this is... Uh, so, then Arya ends up kind of... Um, then she, she kind of... She kind of ends up getting out, right? She finds herself in, like, a sewer, and um, she kind of gets out, and she realizes that the Red Keep is on a hill miles away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then she has to end up, she has to end up running back, and she, you know, she meets some, uh, she meets some guards, and she has to, like, kind of explain who she is. She's like, I'm not a beggar. I live here. Um, she's like, do you need a, Ed, do you need a clout on the ear to help you for hearing? Um, I want to see my father. He says, I want the queen. I want, he's like, I want to hook up with the queen myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, yeah. And then um, she says, like, who is your father? She says, the hand of the king. Yeah. And they yeah. start they start laughing. She's like, I'm Arya Stark of Winterfell. I'm not a boy. Um, if you don't believe me, fetch Jory Cassell or Valen Poole or the Tower of the Hand. Uh, and then she says, or do you need a clout on the ear to help your hearing? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and the next thing you know, it says her father was alone <laughs> in the solar. So, yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's where um, is that where do we get that in this chapter? Yeah, Yorn um, shows up and he's kind of like one mm-hmm. of the Night's Watch, right? And and wants to kind of mm-hmm. uh, share some information with him. So he, you know, just kind of um, you know, Arya is asking about John, asking about her brothers, wants to know all that kind of stuff. She forgets her courtesies, right? And um, right, you know, Ned's you know willing to kind of help this guy out we'll get you some you know people or some you know look into the cells see if we can find someone for the night's watch etc but really uh he's here kind of because of um because of his uh affection for ned's brother you know right vengeance yep. so yeah yeah that's kind of the real reason he's here right and so and, and he wants to talk to him about that a little bit and he wants to talk about you know the taking of Tyrion. so mm-hmm. um yeah, and he, so they dismiss Arya, and she doesn't get a chance. She says Desmond's too, you know. Um, oh, he's he. If, if this were what, who, who's the one night she can she can kind of uh, Big Tom or what's his name? Uh, right. Yeah, Fat Tom. Fat or, Tom. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, Desmond. Desmond won't have any of it, and she kind of just asks, you know, are, are, do you have enough men uh, to protect my father? You know, she's concerned about him, and then do you, can you protect him against a wizard? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, he says they. And then that. This yeah this this last line here, well as to that Desmond replied, drawing his longsword. Wizards die the same as other men once you cut their heads off, which is of course now that we know what happens later, enormous foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, right. So now I want to real quickly just before we leave the chapter, the last thing that was kind of interesting about their conversation was the birds. These little birds that they mm-hmm. wanted, that he needed more birds to kind of keep tabs mm-hmm. on things. 
And, uh, you know, he said, so many. He said, the voices, uh, their voices were getting fainter. The ones you need are hard to find. So young to know their letters, perhaps older. Not, uh, not die so easy. No, the younger are safer. Treat them gently. If they kept their tongues, the risk. So they're just continuing this conversation about needing more, more li- right. little birds. And I'm just realizing that, like, um, it's Illyrio who, when you look at his compound and, the, and his servants, air quote, his mm-hmm. slaves, that he is um, sending over to Varys, really. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't it seem like that? So he's the one supplying oh, for sure. yeah. with these. And so that's why they're not necessarily just someone you would pick up off the street. And, uh, you know, maybe they do have a mother down at, uh, you know, a tavern or whatever. Um, but these are actually kids who have nothing. All they have is Varys when they get there. You know, right. So I right. thought that was kind of interesting as to why they're that loyal, why they're that, you know, they're they're, they're groomed, you know, for this purpose. So mm-hmm. kind of sick and crazy. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's what's going on. So no, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, I think that's the chapter. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, we kind of went over all the all of our cool connections there in the chapter. I don't really think uh, I, just, I like the connection between the 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 well and just the structure of uh, how those things were built. I thought it was also neat because I, I, re- I remembered back to when they were building, um, was it Magor the Cruel? Was it was that who it was who kind of like mm-hmm. killed off everyone who had built the Red Keep, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, and so all of these hidden little passageways and uh, even behind those um, the, the those tapestries, right? There, were, th- there could have been concealed entryways and things, people behind them. Uh, listening and stuff so yeah just just a lot in w- where she was traversing in those in those dungeons in those uh secret passageways mm-hmm. so okay uh send a raven uh let's see here this is uh we had a great raven last week from lady paula and it just really was a lot of fun and we wanted to save so we kind of wanted to uh, push her origin story to this uh this week's uh episode here so here we go uh firstly i'd like to tell my quick origin story. So again, she was had a two-part raven there, but we're just going to do the origin story here. Having never read the books and having never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones, my boss convinced me to start reading the series when Game of Thrones Season 7 was causing such a media frenzy. I had no idea how I managed to avoid knowing anything about it, but I was completely unspoiled. What can I say? I thought I was a different sort of nerd. He and I both... Are, are heavy readers and recommend books to each other regularly. So he knew I would enjoy it. I quickly read um, A Game of Thrones and then watched season one, mostly so I could get the um, pronunciations of names right in my head. Now, good idea. Um, mm-hmm. And moved right on to the rest of the book series. I followed that up with the remaining Game of Thrones uh, seasons. I refused to tell anyone that I was reading or watching and managed to stay mostly unspoiled throughout the experience. Not counting that time, some fool saw me reading in a restaurant and started shouting spoilers to me while I covered my ears and hummed loudly. People who do that are the worst. Yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, someone needs to speak to that that fellow. Um, but all I recall hearing was, don't trust Shay, which meant nothing to me at the time. And then once I read those books, I realized I would never have trusted her anyways. Uh, and then I started over. I watched the series again and read the books again, 
wash, rinse, repeat. Um, a mere four, 14 months after this, after starting this journey, I have lost count of how many times I have watched the TV series, but I do know that I am now on my fourth trek through A Song of Ice and Fire. Nice. Nice. Um, I swear, I really do have a life. I'm obsessed, <laughs> but I'm obsessed. Mm-mm. Uh, and let me tell you, things start jumping out at you once you start looking. Uh, so true, true. L- L- Lady Paula. That's amazing. Um, yeah, the more you read it, the more times you go through, you, you, you catch those different things. Because I think something like the cat even, like, you know, that's something I never would have caught on my first read through, right? So what? Mm-hmm. There's this cat, then there's a cat later on, the, and then Tommen has cats and stuff. You don't really think too much about it, you know, and you're like, whatever. You know, but then you've got people at a conference asking, you know, uh, George Martin, what's up with the cat, you know? And uh, so on, on that on those read throughs, those rereads, uh, you get some of that and you're, you're wondering what is the what's because everything the author does is intentional. He puts these things in there for a reason, you know, and, mm-hmm. it, and it was a cat that was easily, you know, had an ear cleft off or chewed off and stuff. So anyways, Lady Paula, thank you. That's a that's really cool. And we're really excited to have you. Um, you definitely brought to the forefront some interesting uh, you know, points with your Raven last week. Hopefully we hear from you again and you can share some more you know, theories and things that you are uh, interested in. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, all right, sir, Ezra. Well, I think that is our show for this week. I think that's it, man. So thanks. uh, Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Don't forget to send those Ravens to BTK cast. We'll have follow up Friday. And, uh, you know, I'd love, we always like in the group. I'm hoping on follow up Friday too, that we can um, update everybody on what's happening in the Facebook group. So this week, if you guys are heavy in there and want to start some threads, uh, for us to talk about that'd be fantastic. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter Thirty-Three, Eddard Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like our or podcast, Eddard Eight, excuse me. Yeah, Eddard Eight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send a raven at btkcast at gmail dot com. We'll see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.